Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I am your host, Robert Rogers. I founded Parkinson's Recovery now 10 years ago. So we are soon this year in 2014 to celebrate the 10th year anniversary of the founding of Parkinson's Recovery. Parkinson's Recovery is dedicated to providing information, support, and resources to any and all persons who currently have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and their family members. I have been hosting this radio show now for a number of years. For your information, all of the radio shows are archived, which means that you can listen to any of the shows at any time of the day or night. No cost is involved. I have interviewed the individuals across the globe who really I consider to be experts in identifying various approaches, therapies, and modalities that are helping individuals reverse whatever symptoms they might be currently experiencing that are neurological in character. I am currently working on my new book. My new book is called Seven Secrets of Healing. And I am now in the finishing stages of really tying up that entire work. It's taken me much longer, of course, than I ever imagined it would take to write Seven Secrets of Healing. It's been an exciting piece of work because it summarized the core discoveries of what I have learned over the course of not only my own healing journey, but the results of all of the investigations that I have conducted from many, many, many different interviews and from reading thousands of journal articles that talk about what it takes to reverse the symptoms that are associated with Parkinson's disease and also with chronic illness. My other exciting report for you all is that the secrets are, I'm pretty sure, not anything that any of you who are listening right now would ever be able to anticipate or to guess. I'm not talking about eating a healthy diet. I'm not talking about exercise. I'm not talking about some of the common kinds of ideas that people oftentimes espouse. Don't get me wrong, all of those are big factors in helping us to be able to maintain a healthy lifestyle. But here I'm talking about chronic conditions and what it really takes to reverse those conditions. The other exciting piece of the work that I've been doing is the ideas that I propose for people in my book are all approaches that you can engage for yourself. In other words, you take responsibility, you take control for figuring out what you need to do in order to be able to heal whatever symptoms you might currently be experiencing. So be on the lookout for it. It's not released yet, but it will soon be released, entitled Seven Secrets of Healing. I've made it a rather generic piece of work because all of the ideas apply not only to Parkinson's disease, which, as you know, as listeners of my Parkinson's Recovery radio show, happens to be my specialty, but also all chronic conditions, conditions that happen to be symptoms that are longstanding and are associated with some type 
of illness or disease, which just does not reverse easily or has not reversed for a person after many, many attempts to engage one therapy or another. I identify many different options that are reported to me are helping individuals reverse their symptoms. These options are varied in nature. They entail not just the ideas of food and exercise and supplements, but many other approaches that, again, have been reported to me to help one person or another. I can report to you that my discoveries are that there is no one great smoking gun. There's not one wonderful solution. And I get that question often from individuals. The question is, well, what's what's my best shot? And the answer is, well, there is no best shot. The reality is it takes an engagement of investigating on your own what factors you think are at play in your body. The symptoms that are associated with neurological diagnoses like Parkinson's disease are multifaceted. It's a fancy word for a researcher to say there are many, many different causes. Once you identify what's at play in your body, you can then focus in, you can narrow your options and then begin to engage some that I suspect will really begin to make a huge, huge difference in how you feel, and in whatever symptoms you might currently be experiencing. It's a self-discovery journey. It does take commitment. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes time, but it is well worth it. And again, my role, my job has been to broaden a consideration of looking for different options that are reported to me by my listeners and by my audience that are helping them reverse their own symptoms. Parkinson's recovery offers a variety of support systems that are helping people in one way or another. One of these support systems is an opportunity to have a live discussion every Sunday afternoon with a host of Sunday Connections. Now, hosts are all volunteers. I am one of those hosts, and I get on on a Sunday afternoon every six weeks to eight weeks and host Sunday Connections. My role typically is to answer lots of questions that are submitted to me. But different hosts offer different types of programs, and it offers you a direct opportunity to learn more about what other people are doing to reverse their symptoms. Not every host has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. I do not, but most do. And what they can do is to tell you what they have discovered is making a big difference to them and helping them reverse their own symptoms. One of the hosts is the husband of a person with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. He happens to be a health researcher of about 20 years vintage. And so uh, John O'Dwyer is very knowledgeable about a variety of different options that he and his wife Dorothy have discovered have helped her reverse her own symptoms. So every host is a resource of one type or another. Every host has experience with various options, and so every host is a resource. Another reason to connect in on Sundays is that you get to connect in live with other people who are on the same healing journey. 
You can ask questions and get lots of wonderful suggestions from listeners who will chime in and offer their two cents about what they have discovered makes a difference to them or to their family member. Sunday Connections, then, is a golden opportunity to be able to get support that you need every single week, week after week. This Sunday, John Bowman, who is an internationally known motivational speaker, an individual who does have the symptoms of Parkinson's disease and who has discovered a variety of approaches that have helped him reverse his symptoms. I've now known John Bowman for four or five years. When I first met him, he was struggling with many, many different symptoms, but boy, has he found some dynamite approaches that have helped him reverse those symptoms. And now he's on a week-to-week speaking schedule. He travels all over the world, and he provides motivational talks to audiences who are interested in knowing what it really takes to reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. John is your host this Sunday afternoon. Now, the links to the radio show, of course, are all free. You just have to know what the link is. So you're probably wondering, well, gosh, how do I get to connect into Sunday Connections? Be sure to sign up for the Parkinson's Recovery Newsletter. I always send out notices about each Sunday Connections event, and that gives you the URL link or the website link that is the information that you need to have in order to be able to connect in and listen to the show. All shows are free. They're readily accessible. I'll also usually try to put the link onto the Parkinson's Recovery blog, but I don't make any promises about that. I I do make an intention to always post the link and the information about the event on Sunday afternoons in the newsletter. So how do you sign up for the newsletter? Well, what you have to simply do is go to the main portal website, which is www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. And from there, you'll see lots of links to the many other websites that I subsidize and maintain through Parkinson's Recovery. The websites provide different information about what people have discovered helps reverse Parkinson's symptoms. One of the links, of course, then, is to Sunday Connections. There, on that website, you'll see pictures of the various hosts of Sunday Connections, and the whole website gives you a little additional information about what the program is really all about. The links to each Sunday Connections event vary, and so what you really need to do to be able to make sure that you can connect in every Sunday is you can either subscribe to a little notice program if you want, but you can always get free notices by making sure that you simply subscribe to the Parkinson's Recovery newsletter that I send out on a regular basis. You can sign up for the newsletter by going to the main website, which is www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. So I'll spell that for you. It's www.parkinsonsre. C O V E R Y dot C O M. And again, that's the main website. It has the 
basic core information, which means links to all of the many other websites that Parkinson's Recovery maintains, websites to various informational resources that are all readily available and, of course, free to access. My guest today is a doctor, and I'm oftentimes a bit hesitant to air a live show with a doctor because oftentimes we can schedule a time, and it's very difficult for a doctor to be able to keep a schedule that is so tight that they can actually get on the air at that specific time. What I'm going to do, though, is to see if I can't call them now and connect in and introduce my most fascinating guest. So what's going to happen for those of you who are listening live is you're going to hear a block of silence. It doesn't mean that we're disconnecting. It simply means that I'm making every effort to connect with the incredible guest that we have today that's got some ideas that I think you will find will dazzle the socks off of you. I also want to suggest to you to make sure to spread the word to all of your friends that the Parkinson's Recovery radio shows are all archived. They are all saved, and so you can listen to this particular show at a later date at any time. We do a little editing on them, so the little blank space here is edited out when I actually have the archive posted up on the radio show page. So what I'm going to now do is I'm going to uh, basically be blank out here on the radio show page. Hang in there for those of you who've called in or who are connecting through your computers. I'm not going away. I'm just connecting with our guest directly to his phone number. I'll be right back. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Hold on to your seats. With a little luck, we'll be able to connect with Dr. Shannon. I'll be right back. Today is Dr. Tim Shannon, who is a naturopath doctor from Portland, Oregon, who has a private practice in that wonderful and marvelous city. He uses a number of fascinating approaches and technologies to be able to help individuals with chronic conditions reverse those conditions, including intravenous therapy, classical homeopathy, specialized botanical products, and precise nutritional supplements. So his approach is innovative and, to be sure, creative. I want to read the very first couple of sentences in an article that he released recently that is also going to really grab your attention. So, quote, and this is uh, an article that was put out on his website, quote, When we think about our highest intention in the natural healing of disease, our goal is to stimulate the body-mind to be the healer, to be the driver of the healing work. There can be significant consequences when we try to force changes in the body, even with the best of intentions. This is a much more of an issue when treating chronic disease. Dr. Shannon, I want to thank you so much for being on the radio show today. Sure. Um, my pleasure. Tell us all about yourself. Well, you know, I should, I should correct something in your intro. I practiced in Portland, Oregon um, 
up until very recently now, I'm practicing out of Olympia. Um, but I've practiced in Portland for, well, since 2001. And my wife and I and daughter just moved up to Olympia, Washington uh, in July. Oh, how fascinating. I thought you were in Olympia, and I saw, oh, it says Portland, so I thought I must have misunderstood that, but obviously not. Yeah, no, that's my bad. I just, I've been so busy, I haven't had time to really deal with the old website, so that's, that's my error. But, um, so, you know, my background really is treating chronic disease with a, a pretty strong emphasis on um, cancer and mental health and also a lot of different autoimmune and chronic diseases. Um, and one of the ways that I really got influenced to get into uh, autoimmune disease and by that also things like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's is through my mother getting cancer some years back. Um, and that really opened my eyes to, I don't know, a whole other world, really, of uh, looking at the physiology um, that contributes to uh, immune problems and how that relates to cancer and all the other chronic diseases that, we, that we're seeing, you know. Um, and so that's, that's what, you know, I mean, I was a naturopath before that, and I was treating a lot of patients, but when somebody in your own family line gets ill, and then subsequently she died of this kind of lymphoma, um, it really underlined how much I didn't know. And since then, I've been become very, um, I guess, tenacious in researching and being passionate and excited about this whole avenue, about looking at the immune system and chronic degenerative diseases, and, um, and what are some different ways to look at those diseases. Clearly, you've got experience with people who have a number of uh, different types of chronic symptoms. Can you say a bit about what you bring to the situation of Parkinson's? Yeah, primarily I would say I come, I come to it from the cancer angle because that's more my background. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of articles that I've read where in the abstract or throughout the article it says, similar to dementia and Parkinson's, we see this pathway or we see this pathway. Um, and over time I started looking at it because when you look at cancer and you look at Parkinson's, there couldn't be any two different sort of diseases in terms of their outcome because from a cellular standpoint, Parkinson's is where the mitochondria, oh, well, okay, there's, I shouldn't say there's one thing, but one of the hypotheses that you see around Parkinson's is this idea that the mitochondria is dysfunctional in some way, and there's, there's a number of different um, uh, theories around the idea of mitochondrial dysfunction in Parkinson's. Um, and there's also significant mitochondrial dysfunction that's been shown to be true in cancer, and it doesn't really seem to matter which form of cancer, there's always either less mitochondria or mitochondria that doesn't function very well, but the outcome is completely different. Um, in cancer, the reduction in function of the mitochondria causes a cell or is part of the process whereby the cell becomes um, uh, immortal, where it survives forever, you know, and that becomes the problem. It grows and replicates itself and, and continues forever. 
With Parkinson's, it's the other way around. The dysfunction in the mitochondria um, causes the Parkinson's cell, the neuronal um, dopamine cell, to eventually die. And that's, so that's the big difference. But in terms of the injury to the cell, how the cell gets to the point where it dies, is, there's just so many similarities. And even a lot of treatments that work for cancer are also some of the cutting-edge treatments for dementia and Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. Um, so that's a lot. That's that's how I really came to Parkinson's and some of the neurological disorders is by kind of the back door of <laughs> of cancer. Really, you are connected to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and my guest today is Dr. Tim Shannon. Tell us a little bit more, if you could, about your understanding of what Parkinson's really is. So. Um, Primarily, there's a, a process. All of our cells go through a process uh, where there's some kind of damage. There's a mutation. There's damage that happens. And because of the damage, there's something called free radicals. And free radicals can build up and develop what's called reactive oxygen species. And our bodies, um, our bodies have a number of different defenses against reactive oxygen species. And a matter of fact, reactive oxygen species aren't necessarily all bad because it's something that the body also uses to destroy um, uh, you know, bacteria and viruses and so on. So you know, like, like so many things in the body, you know, one thing might be destructive in Parkinson's might also be helpful in other diseases or other problems. But in Parkinson's, one of the issues seems to be that when our antioxidant levels start to decline, um, which a lot of that can come from diet and nutrition and lifestyle, um, then our natural, our body's natural ability to buffer reactive oxygen species and free radicals in the cells um, begins to decline. And one of the theories, is, and there's a fair amount of research to substantiate this, that in Parkinson's patients, they seem to have less antioxidant um, levels, which means that their um, their reactive oxygen species and peroxides um, are more destructive and are more likely to destroy that um, dopamine cell. Um, So that's one of the key concerns or issues that are happening with um, Parkinson's. Um, So the other kind of background issue is that the substantia nigra, which is in the midbrain, is the major mediator of dopamine, which is a a neurotransmitter that one of its roles is coordination and, um, you know, helping musculoskeletal activity and coordination and proprioception. Um, And so in Parkinson's, what happens is this kind of gradual progression where the neuronal cells die. They become... um, they get destroyed in this kind of process that some people are saying it's an autoimmune process. Some people are saying it's an, ant- it's an inflammatory process. Um, there's a whole range of different theories um, about why Parkinson's patients' neuronal cells uh, eventually decline. And, and in the process, the patient starts losing the capacity to coordinate a lot of their musculoskeletal function and other organ functions. Um, and then one of the other, and so one of the, key, you know, treatment protocols that come from the conventional um, approach is to replace the dopamine that's reducing as the neurons, um, you know, are destroyed 
um, with something called L-DOPA, or Cinemet is one of the forms of carbidopa. Um, and, you know, that may temporarily help to reduce some of the symptoms. Uh, the problem is there's quite a bit of research now that shows in the long term one of the dangers of replacing um, dopamine with the synthetic form or synthetic forms is this uh, creation of more reactive oxygen species or more free radicals. Um, and now there's some good research that shows that even though you may be temporarily uh, reducing uh, symptoms, you may actually be accelerating the destruction of the disease in the long term. Um, I don't know if that's conclusive yet, but there's some pretty interesting research that shows that might be a considerable um, possibility. Another thing with targeting only dopamine, which is one of the things that we see in conventional medicine, I think is a mistake in chronic diseases. Conventional medicine often has this kind of short-sighted approach of just looking at the one single problem, like they call depression just because of serotonin, or Parkinson's, they say it's just because of dopamine. Um, but the issue is, what are we doing? Um, rather than just replacing the neurotransmitter that's missing, what are we doing to actually protect the neuronal cells, the dopamine neuronal cells, so that, they don't con that we don't continue to lose them? Um, and that's one of the issues that I have with the conventional approach to Parkinson's is this kind of mono-focus of really just replacing dopamine. I mean, they do other things like anti-inflammatories and, you know, some of the patients are put on Ritalin and antidepressants and so on. But again, there's very little effect, very little focus on trying to slow or stop the progression of the disease. Um, and so um, that's, you know, some of the symptoms or side effects that patients get from being on these drugs actually are restless muscles, tremors, irregular heart rate, which is something you have to really watch for, anxiety, confusion, depression, um, suicide. Patients have complained to me about suicidal ideation that started after they got on the drugs. Um, I'm not saying this happens with everyone, but there's a number of patients that have some pretty significant side effects from being on those meds. Um, so there's some, there's some good reasons to be cautious about relying only on the drugs um, when, you know, there's actually quite a bit of research showing that, um, you know, besides just replacing dopamine, we might be able to actually help to repair some of the cellular damage or at least slow or stop the, the destruction. Um, so let's see. So one of the other, I guess one of the other issues and one of the other backgrounds that we talk about a lot with Parkinson's is this issue with inflammation, this whole idea of systemic inflammation. Inflammation is something when you step on a nail, your body should cause inflammation um, to repair that tissue, to bring new blood supplies to that tissue. There's a whole array of chemicals that get um, secreted to that site where there's inflammation. And when you have an acute injury, you should have acute inflammation at that site. Um, and the problem becomes when inflammation becomes a chronic process, then it becomes destructive. And in Parkinson's, there are some cells called microglial cells in the brain, and they mediate um, some immune uh, compounds called cytokines. And these cytokines 
have this problem where they start to cause some of this mitochondrial destruction. And that's one of the things that we're concerned about with Parkinson's is uh, this increasing inflammation in the brain that's not really being addressed. Um, and so as the inflammation continues on, there's more and more destruction in the brain. Um, so that's one of the hallmarks or one of the big research angles now looking at Parkinson's is inflammation. Um, another issue when we talked earlier about mitochondrial dysfunction is this whole concept. Oh, oh and I should say something about what the mitochondria is. So in every cell, uh, the mitochondria is kind of the energy, it's sort of the brain of the cell, but it's also the energy producer. It produces something called ATP. Um, when there's sugar that's broken down in the bloodstream, it goes through this pathway in the mitochondria, and it's, uh, it produces something called ATP, which energizes the cell. Um, and, you know, the dopaminergic cells also have many, many mitochondria in there that mediate ATP. Um, the problem becomes that what we're seeing in, in uh, dopaminergic cells is that um, Parkinson's dopaminergic cells is that the mitochondria are starting to decline in number, and eventually what ends up happening is the protection that the mitochondria and energy that the mitochondria produces starts to decline and the cell eventually dies. Um, so that's something that we know and that's measurable is the ATP output for Parkinson's uh, dopaminergic cells are declining. Um, there's reduced mitochondria in the cells, um, and there's much more oxidative stress, and the oxidative stress eventually wears out the cells so that it dies. So that's part of the major problem with, or part, one of the major problems with Parkinson's. Um, I'm not sure, Robert. I mean, there's so much I can say about this if we should move on to something else, or should I talk a little bit more about the whole thing with Parkinson's and the kind of physiology? What's your sense? Let me first invite people to call in and ask their questions. If you'd like to be able to ask Dr. Shannon a question and get a free consultation, you can call in. There are two call-in numbers. One of them is a toll-free number, and the other one is a direct number. If you live outside the United States, the toll-free number is not going to work. So you'll have to connect through your computer and use Skype or call directly the following number, 347-945-5358. Again, that number is 347-945-5358. The toll-free number is 8 Seven seven five nine zero zero seven three three, and simply signal that you'd like to be able to talk, and I'll click you in so you can ask whatever questions you might have of Dr. Shannon. So tell us more about the physiology, Dr. Shannon. Um, okay. So what we know is that um, through this process, as the the free radicals and reactive oxygen species build up in the cells, they damage the mitochondria and eventually um, we see cellular death. And as the cell's death in the dopaminergic area in the substantia nigra, then dopamine reduces. And as dopamine reduces, there's less and less coordination and there's more and more um, significant Parkinson's disease that develops the patient. Um, so that's... Those are some of the major pieces. Um, another thing that's coming out now and is coming up in research 
is this whole idea that has to do with insulin resistance. Um, and insulin resistance in the brain is now being referred to as diabetes type 3. Um, and now in dementia and Alzheimer's and also in Parkinson's disease, we're starting to see a very clear signature where insulin resistance is one of the inflammatory processes that seem to be contributing to the development of Parkinson's and, and some of the other neurodegenerative kinds of disorders. Um, and so this brings up this whole idea. Because one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this is because a lot of this brings together some of the treatments that really make sense um, that we're seeing with Alzheimer's and dementia, and now people are starting to really consider for um, uh, Parkinson's as well. And that is that if you can reduce circulating blood sugar, um, then you may have an effect on reducing the inflammation in the brain and slowing or maybe even stopping the, the disease process. Um, and this is where, you know, there's some connection with this idea of using coconut oil or what's called a ketogenic diet, which if we have time, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but reducing the amount of circulating blood glucose markedly and utilizing ketones or putting the body into a sort of mild to moderate ketosis um, is something that's also now being um, postulated as a way of treating Parkinson's, just like people are seeing improvements in symptoms with Alzheimer's and dementia as well. Um, so um, those are some of the major take-homes in terms of the physiology. There's probably something in the range of a million cases of Parkinson's that get diagnosed every year. Uh, oh, no, sorry. There's a million overall, depending on what year you're looking at it, and there's probably something like 50 to 75,000 that get diagnosed each year. Um, and rather than going through the tremors and the poor balance and all the different signs and symptoms, I think most patients know what their signs and symptoms are. Um, I think one of the background concerns or some of the background concerns about how Parkinson's develops is um, exposure to pesticides. I've had several patients that they were on a farm, and, you know, they're in their 70s, 60s and 70s, and they were... Um, a lot of uh, farmhands were exposed to pretty potent pesticides day in and day out without any protection whatsoever. Um, and some of these patients now have ended up with Parkinson's. And it doesn't mean that these, these pesticides directly cause Parkinson's, but I think um, there's some question that some patients are genetically predisposed to not be able to detox some of these poisons, and so then they've accumulated enough to destroy a lot of the dopaminergic neurons. And often by the time Parkinson's is diagnosed, already 60 or 70% of the substantia nigra dopaminergic neurons are already destroyed um, before you can see symptoms. So this is something that progresses over a lifetime. Um, but that's one theory. Um, another thing where we see a higher level of Parkinson's is chronic constipation, which again, um, you know, underlines this idea of people that are having difficulty detoxing themselves. Um, and then dehydration is also something that's linked to water, to, um, especially for water-soluble um, toxins. This is something you also see um, in the literature that there's a higher prevalence, quite a significant higher prevalence in patients that have constipation or are dehydrated 
chronically that they tend to have a much higher level of Parkinson's development. Um, so let's see. I'm thinking it might be a good idea to move on and talk about some of the really promising treatments. Oh, that sounds like um, a good way to go. And yeah. Let me also just see if I've just unmuted a caller who indicated they wanted to ask a question, but the area code is 000, so I'm not sure exactly what the access point is. Do you have a question out there, area code 000? Hello, you're on the air, so go ahead and ask if you have a question. I guess not. So why don't we, well, here's somebody else that has just indicated they would like to ask a question. Uh, area code Hello. 301, you're on the air. Would you like to ask a question? Hello, this is Esseline. Yes, hello. I would like to ask a question. The, the gentleman speaking there mentioned something about coconut oil. And I just saw a doctor last week that suggests that I take coconut oil, but how much of the coconut oil do I have to take? Um, the dosage seems to vary, but um, recommendations are four to eight teaspoons spaced out throughout a day. Eight teaspoons? Four to Did eight. Did you say eight? Yes. It's, okay. I mean, basically, people are dosing themselves relative to their response. So for some people, you know, they're on it for several weeks. They start out with four teaspoons. You know, they take maybe two in the morning and then two in the afternoon, um, and they notice some of their symptoms are improving, or, or some people get marked improvement with four teaspoons, and some people, they need to move up to six or eight before they see improvements. Um, so that's been the dosing that I've had experience with so far. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like to be able to ask a question of Dr. Shannon, the call-in number is 347-945-5358. So please do tell us some about the evidence-based approaches that you have discovered are making a difference to people who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. Um, well, one of the most key, the key ones is coenzyme Q10. Um, co coenzyme Q10 has been shown to definitely be deficient in Parkinson's patients and like in heart patients and many other chronic diseases, cancer as well, um, coenzyme, coenzyme Q10 has a very um, important role in mitochondrial energy production and protection. And there's been some good research that shows uh, just basic supplementation of coenzyme Q10 has helped either with symptoms or slowing or stopping the progression of the disease. So that's probably one of the key pieces. And uh, absorption orally is, is quite good. Um, I mean, it can be measured that when you take coenzyme Q10 orally, and we're talking about 300 milligrams a day, um, that it can be measured that the cellular energy production increases even just through oral. So we know that it's actually doing some work at the cellular level. Um, and research has shown that it can reduce the decline by almost 50% um, or degeneration of the disease by almost 50%. So that's a pretty high number um, or efficacy number. So that's probably one of the biggest go-tos is coenzyme Q10. Phosphatidylserine is another one that has good research behind it. 
Um, it's one of the major components of brain tissue. Um, and so since we're looking at a neurodegenerative disorder, um, supplementing with phosphatidylserine can make a significant difference too. And a lot of people will report symptom improvement or slowing down of the, of the um, disease progression. Um, so that's another one of the major ones. Um, and phosphatidylserine also is something that has a direct impact on cellular communication. And that's one of the things you're really focused on when it comes to Parkinson's is because ultimately as the dopamine levels decrease, uh, the ability for the brain to communicate to the body and coordinate movement starts to reduce. Um, and so having a supplement like phosphatidylserine in play can make a big difference. Um, and, it, and the other thing is it also helps with what dopamine is left. It helps to make it more efficient in terms of its ability to communicate. Um, and it's also been shown to be an important link in dementia. Um, and I often find there's a great deal of correlation between treatment and pathophysiology of Parkinson's and dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, and so whenever I see something that's underlined as an Alzheimer's, or a dementia treatment that's been shown to be effective, then I often look, and sure enough, somebody's researching it for Parkinson's, and there's, you know, there's uh, evidence that shows that it's showing some, some good value there too. Um, another thing is the whole world of antioxidants. Um, there was a study done using vitamin E and vitamin C, I believe. Um, now, this, again, was for dementia and Alzheimer's, but as a preventative, it was shown to reduce prevalence of Alzheimer's and um, dementia by 70%, 65 or 70%. Um, and so that makes me think that should also be something that even when you have the disease, you should be supplementing yourself with vitamin C and vitamin E um, because they're antioxidants that are helping to mop up the, re the free radicals that are in there and hopefully, hopefully slow down the disease process. But they're relatively cheap, and with that kind of research behind it, that's a pretty impressive statistic. Um, and then alpha-lipoic acid is another one of the major go-to antioxidants. It's something that actually used in conjunction with C&E will help to recycle them. So basically antioxidants, once they get used up and mop up a free radical, um, they're spent. That molecule of ascorbate is gone. But alpha-lipoic acid can actually recycle that spent vitamin C and make it be usable again, and the same thing with vitamin E. Um, and so alpha-lipoic acid um, can help to recycle them, but it also has some of its own potent antioxidant properties. So it's, and it's also well-absorbed orally. Um, so that's another major uh, antioxidant to consider. Um, and it also recycles something called glutathione, which is a major, which is probably the super antioxidant in the body. Um, and is also one of the treatments that we use. We use IV glutathione with patients here and when I was down in Portland as well. Um, and that's been shown at, it depends on the patient. Some patients do better with 3,000 or 4,000 milligrams, and I've taken some patients up to as much as six or 8,000 IV, um, and that's when they showed very significant improvements in their tremors or some of their other symptoms. Um, 
So again, these antioxidants, in particular alpha-lipoic acid and glutathione, not only reduce free radicals, but they actually chelate out um, heavy metals. And that's been another angle that, you know, this whole pesticide thing and other toxins are a concern, is that some of these patients were concerned that they have heavy metal burdens, and that's what's causing a lot of the free radical damage. Um, let's see. Is there any other questions there, Robert? Or We have people who've called in, but then they dropped out. So let me invite all of those of you who are listening that have tried to call in, call back in. I'll be happy to click you in so you can ask whatever questions that you need to ask. We have a large audience out there, so you may feel like there's not going to be enough time, but we promise we'll make an opportunity for you to ask whatever questions you might have of Dr. Shannon. Again, the call-in number is 347 945 Five three five eight, or the long distance number for those of you in the United States is eight seven seven five nine zero zero seven three three. What cutting edge or experimental approaches do people need to know about? Uh, well, there's some pretty interesting ones. Um, before we cover that, I just want to make sure we cover a few more of the more well studied ones. Um, one of them is N-acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to glutathione, which I just spoke about. Um, and so supplementing with N-acetylcysteine is another one of the kind of well-studied um, approaches that can help develop and create more glutathione in the system, which is something that's been shown to probably be one of the most powerful anti-Parkinson's treatments. Um, I mean, frankly, in my own experience, most people get the most bang for their buck with glutathione direct injections. But um, if you're combining the C and the E and the N-acetylcysteine and coconut oil and a variety of other treatments, then you may also see symptom improvements there. And everybody varies there in terms of how they respond and what they respond to. Um, but N-acetylcysteine is a precursor that can increase cellular glutathione. We have uh, say something. We have a person who would like to be able to ask you a question from area code 704. So let me pause. The system has got a little garble in there. And see if we can't connect that. Area code 704. Hold on just a minute. Sometimes when we try to open up the system, there's some garble. Hello, That's me. 704. Can you can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Can you hear us? Yes, go, yes, go ahead and ask your question. Yes. yes. Go ahead. Okay, my name is Susan and I just want to say quickly, I am sure that Ever since I was diagnosed seven years ago with Parkinson's, um, the the traditional way the traditional way of treating this has not worked for me at all. I feel like my body is becoming toxic from all the dopamine. Um, I guess my question would be, how do we get started on this? We've, we're all looking for this information and the amounts and how to get started. It's just overwhelming. Could you please uh, tell us how to get started? Um, well, you know, one of the things that might help is if 
after, I mean, you can establish treatment. Is there somebody? Um, okay, so one way to get started is that you can establish care with um, either an alternative-minded, um, uh, uh, um, well, what's the term for <laughs> an alternative uh, MD that works on Parkinson's or a naturopath. Um, there's also a book out by a naturopath that kind of gives a lot of the basics um, that might be a good way to get started, and I think she has some references in there as well. The name of the book, and then I think she's covering a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. Um, let me see. Just trying to find it here on Amazon, but... Uh, this is a book by a naturopath, doctor? Yeah. Uh, Lori Mishley wrote a book several years ago, Natu yeah. Natural Approaches uh, to Parkinson's Disease. Lori Mishley, M-I-S-C-H-L-E-Y. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, that would be a go-to because she's going to, all the stuff I'm covering here she's going to talk about, although I don't know if she's looking into some of the cutting-edge stuff or not. I, I don't recall if that's in the book, but basic stuff like N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, alpha-lipoic acid, CoQ10, that's all in there. Um, so that, that's where I would start, is start doing some research and find out if there's any providers near you that, can, you know, that are looking at this from an alternative perspective. Um, and I would also recommend getting in to see a naturopath anyway because a lot of times we run blood work that conventional doctors don't really look at, and we run a lot of tests that tell us whether or not some of your symptoms are all 100% Parkinson's symptoms or are they symptoms of adrenal stress or thyroid function or, I mean, there's so many patients that I see that come in and they have this or that diagnosis, you know, whether it's MS or Parkinson's or cancer. And, you know, we do, we target those symptoms and we, you know, we target those diseases, but we often also find out there's other chronic underlying conditions that you treat them and the patient often feels a lot better. Um, I can give you many examples of that. So, you know, you definitely want to see somebody who has some experience treating autoimmune disorders or neurological disorders. Um, but even if, you know, I don't know where, you're, where you live, but if you can find a naturopath in your area or nearby who can look at you from a systemic approach, or an integrative MD is another option. Somebody who's going to look at the whole picture, they can help you strengthen your whole system um, and help to slow down the disease and actually help with a lot of symptoms. I don't know, I don't Area know. code 571, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hello? Yes, hello. Do you have a question? Oh. My, yes, my name is Tom. I've, I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And my question is... Uh, you talk about antioxidants, and sometimes I get a little bit confused. Uh, is there any relation, would there be any benefit to using or breathing pure oxygen with the uh, condition of Parkinson's? Um, is there any, oh, you mean like hyperbaric oxygen? Well, not, not so okay. intense like hyperbaric, but uh, just... Uh, uh, like in the hospital, sometimes they put an oxygen uh, 
tube in your nose to give you extra oxygen. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I can't answer that question. I, I, don't, I haven't heard of that application of using um, higher levels of oxygen to see if it will reduce symptoms of Parkinson's or slow the disease. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I know antioxidants have a lot of backing, you know, a lot of research, but I, I, can, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Okay, well, thank you, Doc. Thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, Dr. Shannon, other experimental approaches that look appealing? Well, one of the primary ones that I use, and matter of fact, I'm on the diet myself right now. It's called a ketogenic diet. Um, it's a very strict one when you're doing it for cancer, and I don't know if it has to be quite as strict for Parkinson's, but um, it started out as a diet that was used for epilepsy a long, long time ago, I think maybe 80 years ago or something. Um, and it fell out of, it fell into disfavor once there were a lot of epileptic drugs that were um, used, and some of them are somewhat effective. Uh, but now it's come back because for a lot of people, um, the, uh, the drugs either don't work or seem to make things worse or they don't do that much. I mean, they might slow the convulsions or the seizures down somewhat, but the patient is still severely symptomatic. Um, and some people can keep all their seizures away by doing what's called a ketogenic diet or reduce it markedly. Not everyone, for sure, but it's helpful in a good percentage of patients. Um, and then since then, now there's been some dementia patients and Alzheimer's, beginning Alzheimer's patients, um, that have also seen benefit from going on a ketogenic diet. And a ketogenic diet is basically where the patient eats really high contents of fat, um, 70 to 80% or maybe even 90% of calories from fat. Um, and, of course, the fats are all healthier fats like coconut oil and um, red palm oil, uh, avocados, um, eggs, um, different kinds of meat fat, but meat that's healthier raised meat so it doesn't have hormones and chemicals in it. Um, so that's the primary fuel because the body, and it's something we use in cancer now because for, without going into a long discussion about it, ketones are, uh, the, the cells are able to do, you know, our, our cells are able to do very well, and particularly the brain cells are able to do very well with an alternate fuel source to make ATP. Um, and that alternate fuel source is a breakdown product of fat metabolism called ketones. And once you eat enough fat and you reduce your carbohydrates dramatically, the body gets the signal that there's not enough carbohydrates to make glucose from, and so it begins to break down fat. And as it breaks down fat, it makes um, this substrate called ketones and puts the body into something called ketosis. Um, and so it doesn't mean there's no glucose in the bloodstream, but there's kind of it becomes like a hybrid system, like a Prius, where you can you know, go off electricity or go off gas. In this case, there's a much lower amount of glucose and there's a much higher level of ketones in the blood. Um, and ketones have been shown to be neuroprotective. So we have good evidence to show that they're neuroprotective. Um, in particular, there's a particular ketone called uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate that's been shown to be uh, uh, neuroprotective, and it also is something that increases brain circulation. And consumption of coconut oil specifically or any medium-chain um, triglyceride is something that will upregulate the beta-hydroxybutyrate levels. 
Um, so that's one major one, and that kind of connects with what I said about insulin um, uh, insulin resistance and diabetes and Parkinson's because you're dramatically reducing the amount of circulating glucose and you're increasing the ketones. And so the whole inflammatory cascade that comes up around diabetes and insulin gets dramatically reduced. And it's one of the reasons why we use it with cancer because it slows or even in some cases stops the progression of cancer for similar reasons. Um, and this, this is one of the similarities I was mentioning before about cancer and Parkinson's disease. Um, so ketogenic diet, I mean, we don't have that much time, but that's one really important one. Something called low-dose naltrexone is another uh, treatment protocol. Um, hello. Um, so that would be another important one, um, which I don't know if we have time enough to talk about that one. Um, but naltrexone is something that upregulates your native endorphins, and the endorphins are something that stimulate, um, or actually I should say are immune modulators. And a whole other arm of Parkinson's, which we hadn't gotten time to talk about, is the autoimmune angle. Um, and there's even been studies of using what's called low-dose naltrexone to slow or stop the progression of multiple sclerosis, but now some patients are noticing it also helps with Parkinson's as well. Um, and then the last kind of cutting-edge treatment that uh, I would really strongly think about is cannabidiol, which is a, a cannabinoid that comes from marijuana. Um, you know, I practice and live in a state where marijuana is legal as a medical drug but also recreational. But there are forms of marijuana that are available that have virtually no hallucinogenic uh, components but have very high content of what's called CBD. Um, and again, CBD or cannabidiol is a component or a fraction of marijuana that's been shown to help with dementia, with Alzheimer's, with cancer, and also with Parkinson's disease. A lot of these uh, sort of cutting-edge treatments are not very well funded because there's no, you know, pharmaceutical incentive. Um, so, you know, they've been around for a long time, but, you know, there's no money to research them, so a lot of the research is preliminary or animal-based. But a lot of people are taking them, they're harmless, and they can make a dramatic impact. The, keto the ketogenic diet is probably the biggest one in the cannabidiol for a lot of patients. Um, and there's a variety of different forms you can get. There's a, a form of uh, CBD oil that you can get that's 100% legal in any state you're in. Um, Dixie Botanicals, you can look them up. They have the uh, cannabidiol or the CBD oil. Um, that's one way to go is to try CBD oil. Um, uh, another way is to use the cannabis plant raw. Um, without cooking it, and it has to be a strain. There's a number of different strains that have very high CBD and very low THC, um, and you can nebulize the plant as well. Um, so there's a number of different ways that you can get access to CBD, but for a lot of patients, it's it's been shown to be neuroprotective. It's something that's been very helpful with a lot of uh, a lot of patients with PD as well as all the other degenerative diseases. Robert, are you still there? 
Listeners who'd like to know more about low-dose naltrexin can connect with Sunday Connections one week from Sunday. We're there hosting that event every Sunday, but one week from this Sunday, Lexi will be hosting, and Lexi has been using LDN now for four or five years and has reported remarkable results in reducing her own symptoms. So she tells her story and provides support individuals who'd like to be able to get more information about using LDN as a therapy to help reverse the symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Dr. Shannon, I do have a question that's submitted on our chat room. It says, quote, in, quote, heal your life, Louise Hay indicates that spiritual cause of Parkinson's paralyzing thoughts and desires to control. In other words, that's what she argues is an issue for people who have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, quote, paralyzing thoughts and desire to control. The question that this person asks you is, do you concur with her findings? Um, I see it slightly differently, or maybe differently. Um, my experience with patients, and, this, and I've talked to colleagues who said similarly that patients with MS, with Parkinson's, a lot, this is true of a lot of patients that have um, degenerative autoimmune diseases as well as cancer, um, is that they tend to be patients who are very externalized in, in terms of knowing their own needs. So they tend to be people that take care of others. Um, and they tend to be overworkers for others. So when it comes to getting angry, or not that angry, anger is a therapeutic, I shouldn't say anger, but speaking up for yourself, that's more what I mean. Um, a lot of patients uh, that have autoimmune conditions or that have degenerative conditions um, often are patients that have a very hard time speaking up for themselves and taking good care of themselves and doing nurturing things for themselves. Um, and there's been some research that seems to support that as well, but my own clinical experience has been that for sure, that these are patients that are very sweet, that are very nice, that take care of other people, and in the process kind of burn themselves out. Um, and as, as a consequence of that, it appears that their immune system is not quite so stout. It's not quite so on the ball, and these kinds of destructive diseases can get a toehold. Um, so I can't really say whether they're controlling because that's a little hard for me to know what that means exactly. But, but what I've seen in terms of personality is more related to people not getting their needs met and taking care of others. We have a call from what looks like it's probably Europe, 01151 country. You're on the air. What question do you have for Dr. Shannon? Um, <clears throat> is it, maybe that's me because I'm calling in on Skype. Yes, that's you. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. I'm, that's why I had the funny uh, uh, area code. I called earlier, and now I think I was a 000 that didn't Oh, respond. right. Sorry we didn't get connected, but now you are. Hooray. Okay. Yeah, my name is Bob, and I'm in Berkeley, California. And I've been treating uh, for Lyme disease for about nine years now. And I've also been um, diagnosed with Parkinson's about maybe five years ago. And just recently I had a DAT scan done, D-A-T, Scan, um, which showed, um, I guess, that measures something having to do with the uh, receptor sites on the basal ganglia for the, uh, or the part of the mechanism of transfer of dopamine. Um, so that was uh, supposedly, according to my neurologist, a positive uh, affirmation of the existence of Parkinson's. I also had a culture test recently done 
for Borrelia burgdorferi, which is the bacterium that is responsible for Lyme disease primarily, and that was a positive culture outcome through advanced laboratories in Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania. So it looks like I, got, I have confirmations of two things going on at the same time. Um, so that's a little bit of the background. Now, I'm curious, um, I have done some of the Patricia Kane protocol out here with Gordon Medical Associates in Santa Rosa, California. And I was wondering, uh, since you were talking about the IV glutathione and acetylcysteine and so forth, uh, Dr. Shannon, um, whether you have used that protocol of Patricia Kane uh, with Parkinson's patients. I no, I haven't. I've heard of it, but no, I'm not familiar with it in particular. What's is she using glutathione? Yes, yeah, she's using glutathione and a number of other things as well. It's very, uh, the recipe is very strict. You inject this and wait 10 minutes and then inject that. Uh, most of the chemicals come from Wellness Pharmacy uh, in on the East Coast. Are they in Florida or Georgia? I forget. Um, and so uh, it's quite a complicated protocol. Um, Okay, and so the next question is, um, do you have anything to say about, uh, there's an in, uh, anti-inflammatory called seratiopeptidase or something similar to that? Or? Yeah, yeah, seratiopeptidase. Does that ring a bell? It's a, it's a proteolytic enzyme. And similar to bromelain and papain, it's something that you take in between meals um, and in high enough doses, it's something that can bring down inflammation and also stimulate immunity. That's something we use in cancer therapy all the time as well. Um, not familiar with its use for Parkinson's specifically, but I could totally see how it could make sense because it essentially mops up um, proteins and sometimes destructive elements that are circulating in the system um, and reduces inflammation markedly. That's probably one of its biggest kind of... Uh, yeah, that's the claim for it. How, how about lumbrokinase? Sorry? How about, do you have anything to say Did about say lumbrokinase? Yes. Yeah, that's, that has a similar activity. That's, that's another proteolytic. Um, well, one of the things that I would think about for you, given the two conditions you're describing, is getting a Nagalase mm -hmm. test. Um, right. Wherever your provider is, I don't know if they're familiar with Nagalase, but it's a it's a test that gives you a, uh, a good number. It's something we use with cancer, but it's also something that gets elevated in patients with some autoimmune conditions. Like I have several patients now where their Nagalase levels get elevated, but Nagalase is an enzyme that gets secreted by viruses as well as cancer cells in an effort to blind or quiet what's called macrophage activation, and macrophages are one of the white cells that not only detects but also consumes or phagocytizes different um, uh, things like viruses and bacteria and so on. Um, and so one of the things I wonder about for you is, given you have two of these conditions, if there isn't an underlying immune problem for you, and Nagalase yeah. and also something called serum neopterin is the other test that I would run to kind of double check and see the, the health of your um, immune system and then 
whatever treatments you do, you, you know, you, you do those tests, and if they come up positive, you use them as a baseline. Then you do your immune treatment and the rest of your treatment and make sure that those numbers are improving as you go along. I see. What was the second one again? The other one is called neopterin. That starts with an N like Nancy. And you know what? Um, I'm sorry, Robert. I, I have to actually check on an IV that I'm running right now. I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. And while sorry, you're I, checking, we'll, gonna go this long. We'll, we'll simply add a little bit of extra information to individuals about the support services that are always available and provided by Parkinson's Recovery. You can always visit the Parkinson's Recovery blog where we post up information, recordings, videos, blogs, stories from people who report what they've done to basically reverse their symptoms. We've been doing Parkinson's Recovery Summits. The last summit was February of 2013 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. For those of you unable to attend that particular summit live, we have video recordings of 19 of the presentations that were actually given that are available. So if you'd like to be able to see what information was conveyed at the summit, you can actually acquire those DVDs, those videos that you can actually play on your television set. You can get that information by going to the Summit website, which is www.summit.parkinsonsrecovery.com. And you'll see there also there is a video of Lexi, who I mentioned just a few minutes ago, will be on Sunday Connections one week from Sunday. And she'll be talking about many different topics, but her specialty her calling is to be able to educate people about the benefits and the value of using low-dose naltraxin, something that's helped her enormously. So, Dr. Shannon, it sounds like you're back. I do have one important question, and that is, what do you mean when you talk about treating the Parkinson's patient rather than the disease? So, one of the things that gets lost in the mix with a lot of patients um, and this, it, you know, this is patients with Crohn's, this is patients with uh, Parkinson's, with cancer, it, it doesn't matter. Um, one of the things that gets lost is treating the patient. So, in other words, if all you're doing is using coenzyme Q10 and glutathione and the patient isn't sleeping and their diet is poor and they're not getting exercise, in other words, they're not taking care of the rest of their life, um, it's going to be really hard for them to recover and for them to get good benefits. Um, you know, one of the most obvious glaring examples is you get patients sometimes who come in with Parkinson's or MS and they're overworking, they sleep six hours a night, and they've got all these symptoms and they're taking care of their grandkids. You know, they're doing all this stuff that's burning, they're burning, what do they say, both candles for something. And if you just ignore that and only treat the disease, you're missing this huge opportunity because you look at so many studies that show when people aren't getting eight or nine hours of quality sleep, which is the only time when your body is actually going to start to, I mean, I shouldn't say it's the only time, but it's the primary time that the body heals itself when the body goes through what's called deep cycle restore um, is during sleep. And um, that's just one very primary example that, you know, a lot of people are sleep deprived and they have these neurological disorders or cancer. And if you just ignore that or you don't address it, or if somebody's obese or they're overweight and you just ignore that and the huge stress that that puts on the body 24 7, 
Um, there's and the proof, you know, all the research that shows, like what I just talked about about glucose and insulin resistance, that you're just compounding your problem. And so just taking something like alpha lipoic acid or getting you know, IV glutathione or using these protocols and ignoring the rest of the person, um, it's not going to work, you know, or you may get minor improvements. You're not going to get the same kind of level of turnaround as if you really transform your life. And, and it doesn't mean you have to do it immediately, but you have to address those things. Um, and that's, the, that's probably my primary criticism with conventional care is I see people get referred to me um, or who mostly it's self-referrals who come in because, like that woman said before, she's tried the dopamine and she's tried the, you know, the conventional approach and either got no results or got worse or whatever it was. Um, and their only approach was giving two or three different meds or adding Ritalin because they weren't getting better. or So they never really addressed the fact that the patient wasn't sleeping at night, that the patient had all these other chronic problems. Um, they just don't. They just ignore it. And in my experience, I've had several patients that, you know, you address some of their lifestyle issues, their their Parkinson's symptoms markedly improve, even before you can get started on the IVs. Um, So people just assume once they get the diagnosis that that all their symptoms, every symptom is due to Parkinson's, and it's just not true. A lot of patients, you deal with stress, and so many of the Parkinson's, half of the symptoms reduce. Um, so that's what I mean by treating the patient, is you can't just treat the disease. You have to treat the disease, but you also have to treat the patient as well. Um, so, Robert, on that point, I do have to go. Cause I'm so before you go, Dr. Shannon, what is yeah. your website and how do people get in touch with you? Oh, we're, um, we're, at, uh, we're in Tumwater in Washington, which is near Olympia, and the website is heartofwellness.org. So it's just that those three words, heart of and wellness. dot org, and the phone number is three six zero five seven zero zero four zero one. And you're still taking patients, new patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We just moved up here, so the practice is maybe three quarters full. So yeah. And do you do consultations long distance? People are listening from Europe and all over the world. Uh, are you also available to I talk do. on the phone? Yeah, I've been doing Skype and phone for probably eight years. Um, so that's, you know, there's certain there's a number of cases where it's not appropriate, but um, for some cases it, it makes good sense. And if a person did want to connect with you and get a consultation, how would they go about doing that? They would just call the front desk. <laughs> At that number, and could you repeat that one more time? Yeah, it's 360-570-0401. And could you please spell your website slowly for everyone? Oh, sure. It's heart, like in your chest, H-E-A-R-T, of, the word of, O-F, and then wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. And then it's dot and it's O-R-G, not com. It's O-R-G. Dr. Tim Shannon, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for all of the incredible support and information you've provided to the many listeners today. Thanks so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you, Robert. And for those of you that like to be able to connect at any time with the many support services that are provided by Parkinson's Recovery, you can always go to the main website, which is www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. There's no apostrophe in the word Parkinson's, so it's P-A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S, 
R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y dot C-O-M. You can connect with me at any time also. The email is robert at, and you guessed it, parkinsonsrecovery.com. Our toll-free number is 877-526-4646. We provide many, many support services, chat rooms, symptom trackers, radio shows. And remember, all the radio shows are archived. If you'd like to be able to listen again to anything that Dr. Shannon recommended, you can listen to the archive of this show tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year, or anytime in the future. All shows are archived, and all shows are free to hear at any time. Again, I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and this is the 10th anniversary of Parkinson's Recovery. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today, that you are indeed on the road to recovery. May your week be magnificent. Good day.